This is a 980 CKNW podcast. We've had a lot of conversation about budgets and polls and approval or disapproval by Canadians and British Columbians because, of course, here on the West Coast, we've had two budgets in the last two weeks. So the combination of the two uh, could be potentially devastating or it could be something no one barely notices. So let's talk about that and how the two connect, if at all, and the combined impact, if any, on the taxpayers of British Columbia with the feds and the province piling on uh, we after week. Lindsay Meredith is here to sort it all out for us. Lindsay is a professor of marketing at Simon Fraser University. Welcome back and good morning, Lindsay. Sterling, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, a besieged taxpayer that I am, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to make it. How about you? Uh, yeah, between a rock and a hard spot, but you know, it's been tougher. We'll flip through this one, too. Yeah, a lot of debt at the federal level. A lot of co- We had some, uh, just did some open line, Lindsay, about the budget and had some interesting feedback from British Columbia taxpayers. Uh, and and a, a, a lot of concern about the parent lack of concern at the federal level for the incredible amount of debt we're assuming as a country. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one gets interesting. It depends on, on whose game you want to play, Sterling. So here's how one version works. The economists like to use now, uh, unlike, quote, the dark ages, the old days, they like to play with something called the debt-to-GDP ratio. So what you do is you ratio the amount of debt or deficit you're going to run in any any year against the amount of goods, total goods and value of goods and services produced by the economy. And the game goes like this. If, in fact, your economy is cooking along and you're producing a bucket of the value of a bucket of goods and services and it's really going up, well, I guess if your debt goes up a little bit, but not as much as your GDP went up, I guess maybe everything's just ducky because now the debt looks like, as a percentage, it's dropping. So the ratio kind of saves you. So that's that's the one big measurement tool they like to use now. But it's a uh, bit of a shell game, isn't it, Lindsay? Well, the part that bothers me about the thing is, look, in the, when the, at the end of the day, you still have to pay back the deficit, and you still have to pay back the debt. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I like to point out is that is over time, this uh, debt as dro- is dropping as a percentage of gross domestic product. Translated in English, oh, gee, maybe by the time we get down to, I think it's uh, oh late 2020 sometime, maybe we're going to be able to almost retire uh, a whole bunch of our, our government debt. Uh, because GDP will outstrip it and everything will be ducky. The other game they play is let's look at the amount of debt per capita. So the game they're playing there is to say, well, you know, <clears throat> compared to Harper and the boys, we're pretty, pretty much in the ballpark. We're kind of within about $100 million. I think 19.8 versus 19.7 billion. Right. Like that. So now the game becomes one of saying, well, you know, um, sure, we're running up uh, deficit. We're piling on debt here, but on the other hand, gee, we've got a bigger population to spread it over, so things are looking ducky that way. Um, The other problem, if I could just interrupt for a second, this was raised by one of the callers in the last segment, Lindsay. Uh, Their interest rates are going up. There's no no turning back here. Uh, Regardless of how little we're enthused about it all, interest rates are going to continue raising uh, as the years uh, go on. And so uh, any objective, long-term objective to reduce the deficit to zero or balance the budget in two or three or more years doesn't take into the into effect at all the the fact that it's going to cost us that much more to service the debt, which is which makes in turn the government less able to provide other services. Yeah, you nailed that one pretty much exactly. You better pick 
Hey, get yourself a Ph.D. in economics, Sterling. Not well a chance. Not a and chance. That, hey, listen, you're on it because that becomes the other issue. Look, when the last dog is shot, you have to pay back the money you rang up and borrowed, yes or no. Because if you do, every tax dollar you collect, some portion of that money has got to go back to pay the money you borrowed the, you borrowed from those other guys. Sure. They may be Canadians, foreigners, doesn't matter. Um, so then you're stuck with the situation. Your scenario. So what happens if the interest rate begins to rise as well? Well, what looked like a really good deal a couple of years ago when the interest rates are totally in the gutter, and money was virtually free, mm-hmm. it might not be such a pretty little story about uh, two or three years from now when uh, we suddenly find we're back up to government money, not running 2.4%, but saying running 4 or 5 or 6%. Well, hey, suddenly, you know what, that interest payment you've got to make, that's taking a whole bunch more of those nice collected tax dollars you took off the public. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing that come back as uh, supporting goods and serv- uh, uh, government programs for them. Well, they're talking, you know, expensive programs like national child care and national pharmacare. These are, are, are incredibly expensive programs. Not only that, uh, you know what? That's the thin edge of the wedge. If you want to see what's going to break the back of the, the mule here, I can tell you what it's going to be. It is going to be the demise brought on by a massive aging Canadian population, all hidden the finish line. I like to scare my marketing and economic students by saying the following. Do you realize that... Fifty percent of your total lifetime expenditures on health care occur in the last two years of your life. Mm. So in marketing, you look for two things. A lot of old folks, or a lot of heavy users, we call them, and that would be old folks, and a large number of them to boot. So lots of users plus heavy users. You multiply one times the other, you have got a tsunami coming. And that's back to your point. That is going to put a massive drawdown on social program money. You think we're spending a lot on health care right now? Ha <laughs> ha, you wait. And healthcare, of course, is is a provincial issue. So let's let's just flip the page very quickly here before yeah. the break. And 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 because now the province has released its budget. Here we are two weeks ago. The feds this week. The province last week. Yeah. And the province has indeed altered the landscape for healthcare. In that Medicare premiums have been reduced by fifty percent, with a targeted uh, elimination in a year. Yeah. And and the uh, the costs. Uh, from the individual payers has been offloaded to small businesses with payrolls of 500000 or a year or more. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> we get back to this game of, of saying, you know, um, when we look at some of these social programs, which ones are going to be the monsters? And, you know, the elephant in the room is we're being, I'll give them this. Finally, I've heard the odd politicians say, you know, this aging population is going to be a bit of a crusher. Yeah, well, guys, you've had two decades to figure that one out. Demographics is not a moonshot science, okay? That's right. And where was all the planning? Where were the steps taken to put some money in the kitty to get ready for that? And you know what? I know what their answer is going to be. Let's borrow some money. Well, exactly. And it's interesting because this is the most conscientious voting segment of the population. There is a higher percentage of voting participation by older Canadians, certainly than by younger Canadians, the least uh, involved group demographically speaking in the democratic process. And they they ignore that this vote, this huge voting block at their peril. You're you're absolutely on the money here. Uh, That is the group that you basically, as a politician, you run in fear of. Well, politicians may not understand a lot of things sometimes. They understand one thing, how to try and get reelected. 
and they're aware of who will vote and who will not vote. And that means, you know, are they going to really tell these, these, a lot of these seniors, hey, you guys, they got to hold the line on all your health care, tough stuff. You're sick, go die in the street. Mm. That's not going to happen. No. Um, what it means, back to the scenario you've raised, uh, they're going to go back to the public offices and say, gosh, we really need the money. we got to borrow a lot more cash. But we just said, is it likely the Canadian interest rate, say, two years from now, is going to be what it is right now? You not a chance. Kidding. It's going to be up there. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got a whack of good uh, deficit still growing right now, and we're going to add a lot more to it. And basically, you're going to pay for that in a higher interest rate. So what's next? That's easy. Jack the devil out of your personal income taxes to try and get the money back. Hmm. Take, I need to take a break. Lindsay, stand by if you would, please, because we're going to carry this conversation into the next segment as well. And in, expand it, because there are a couple of other things at play these days beyond budgets at the federal and provincial levels. Uh, there's this whole de- demise, almost, of brick-and-mortar retail. And then there's this whole cryptocurrency thing going on. Lindsay Meredith, marketing professor, SFU. It's Sterling Fox in for Jill Bennett on this Sunday morning. Two degrees and cloudy skies at 9. 19. Lindsay Meredith is a marketing professor at Simon Fraser University. We're talking budgets, federal and provincial, uh, and we'll get to uh, retail in just a second. Uh, Lindsay, here in BC, uh, we've had the new government, uh, the new minority government. Uh, talk about ICBC, the dumpster fire. And then we're talking about BC Hydro, which has been described by many as a dog's breakfast. Uh, and we've had them overruled by uh, the regulati- regulators. Uh, they wanted to freeze hydro rates for a year. The regulator said no. They're going to go up 3% because hydro desperately needs the dough. So here in B.C., and uh, we got a bit of a squeeze going on at that level, and, of course, all of the uh, housing uh, calming measures as well. We sure do. I mean, part of the stuff I think that drove a lot of, a lot of uh, B.C. voters a little wild here was, on the one hand, you had the liberal staunchly hanging to the party line and saying, look, we're not jacking your personal income rate, income tax rates. Yeah, that's true. All you did was jack the hell out of my hydro rates, my ICBC rates, the BC Ferry, mm-hmm. uh, MSP. They, the, the list got on and on for the kind of stuff they got into. And in the end, uh, once they removed a little money from the back door on those things, guess what? Those, those particular Crown Corps wound up showing an awful lot of ready, saying, help, we're going to jack your rates to make up for this. And in the end, the government said, you know, get mad at those Crown Corps. It's not us. Yeah, right. Um, that was one of the slowest, oldest shell games in town, uh, mm-hmm. Sterling, frankly. And uh, in the end now, what do we got? Yeah, do we have a dumpster fire at ICBC? Yes, we do. Uh, about $1.3 billion, I believe. Almost the same amount of money the Liberals basically took out the back door. Right. Um, so in the end, what's the issue? The issue is, look, somebody's going to put that money back. Well, I can tell you who it is, you and I. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sorry, your rates going to go up very likely. Uh, hydro. Look, I saw rates. I talked to people where suddenly they were getting hydro rate bills that are running twelve, fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars a month because mm-hmm. they're they're heating with electric. Well, you know, it's I understand one of the issues of saying okay, sometimes we're we're going to push up the costs of some kinds of energy. What you don't do is blow it through the roof at an astronomically steep rate like that over two or three years because that is inflationary as all get out, and that's how you provoke labor into saying we're going on strike. We need better wages. Um, so, you know, and, and wouldn't that be ironic with an NDP government being uh, struck by organized labor? <laughs> hey, politics is a curious animal, Sterling. It certainly nothing is. is. Nothing is impossible the way this stuff plays out. Wanna, wanna, so, I mean, 
So go ahead. Oregon's going to try and balance this thing out, but you know what? He's basically going to go with the Utilities Commission saying, and just as you do with St. C. I'm not going to criticize his decision. I mean, hey, if you've got a billion dollars already in the ground, are you really going to walk away from your investment, yes or no? Right. Yeah, I understand it's going to cost you another whack of billions more, but do you walk away from a deal like that just because you're saying, well, you know, let's kiss off a billion? You know what? There is the political issue. He probably would have had some serious pushback had he done that as well. Absolutely. Now, Professor Meredith, I want to take the last couple of minutes, and we only have a couple, to, to find out what you're telling your marketing students at Simon Fraser these days about retail, about brick-and-mortar-type retail, as in stores, which yeah. seem to be closing at an amazing rate. How many... Yeah. Uh, What's what's the word from the prof to the students these days? Um, boy, uh, keep your head down and uh, and make darn sure before you start playing bricks and mortar game that you've really got yourself a solid game, uh, you know, a solid product, solid service to go with here. Uh, yeah, like you, I am perturbed. You walk, start walking through the uh, the malls, especially. Way too much brown paper on a lot of that glass, my friend. That's and that, right. That I found very, very disturbing. Is it going to continue? Yes, it will. Um, basically, the direct from manufacturer, direct from shipper, is functionally how it's going to go. Um, now, are all bricks and mortar dead? No, they're not. What's going to happen, and does happen, especially with Canadians, is we often will go into bricks and mortar, squeeze the stuff, pick it up, try it on, and then walk out the door and buy it online. Oh, and that's what's really starting to annoy the brick and mortar people. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the strategies you're seeing the brick and mortar guys do is say, fine, we're brick and mortar, all right, but we're also into the game of the direct online distribution. Right, and that's what's happening now, right. Yeah, now the problem is, you're up against guys like Amazon. Well, you know, hold it. This is this is kind of the beast in the room again. And uh, that's that's a, a ferocious online distributor. Um, but in the end, yeah, I think what's happened is the next transition of bricks and mortar is um, it's not all going to go away. But, yes, will they all probably get into versions of online distribution? I think that's one of the only possible ways a lot of these guys can, can maybe survive. Now, look, some of them will be okay. Hey, Nordstrom's. Look, that's a very high-end product market, right? Yeah, it's right downstairs in this in this building, and it's it's okay, always you, busy. You got it. And and the crowd they're serving are the people who are looking for that nice, cozy, hands-on service. Mm-hmm. They want to see those overpriced handbags, um, and they want to actually pick up and touch this kind of stuff. That's not coming to you, you know, frankly, via via the mail distribution distribution system. Uh, so some of these uh, operations are going to survive. Um, other ones, I'm afraid you're going to still see some more carnage here before all this settles out. It's called Welcome to Technology, uh, Sterling, and, and it's taking its, its its massive toll. And it is, as I say, it is not true yet, not by a long shot. And from a consumer perspective, it's it's all about price. And if you can save 20 30 50 100 bucks on an item by ordering it online rather than going to the store, why on earth wouldn't you? Yeah, you got it. And, of course, yeah, with the onset of the autonomous trucks, they're already being tested in uh, – some parts of North America, and uh, they're all drivable. It, um, look, a lot of this stuff is just going to come down even more in terms of uh, distribution costs. So, you know, for the Canadians, we came to the story a little bit late. The Americans embraced this online uh, purchasing a little more quickly than we did. But, hey, we're making up for lost lost ground. We're catching up very quickly now. So, uh, yeah, it's, you're going to see the malls have to reconfigure a lot. You're, I think you're going to have to see mall commercial property values get heavily readjusted. I think well, you are. A mall is no good to you if it's full of brown, you know, paper, paper covered up windows. Uh, that's called going broke. So, that's right. 
Uh, that's all part of your other issue, and you're right. It's the, the issue related to, frankly, Canadian real estate at all levels, whether it be residential or commercial. Have to leave uh, it there, Lindsay. I'm fresh out of time, <laughs> and, and I regret only the fact that we didn't get around to Bitcoin. That's another conversation for another day. Thank you oh for this Lord. this morning. <laughs> Bye, Sterling. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.